0: We are currently in the middle of a, a study called The Pursuit of Holiness. Today will be part eight. Uh, I've had some people that said when they saw part eight how short the chapter was, will we do two chapters a day? And I was just about to think about that till I got to the last two pages of the chapter, and I realized, no, we, we, we got all the stuff we need to talk about today. Now, uh, uh, for some of you, you, you may not realize this. Uh, I don't know. how. I was on vacation last week, and uh, so uh, we, we went down to the, to the beach, had a house on the beach, and, and Brooks, who's running the camera today, and Brody, uh, and then the, some of their friends uh, went with us. So we, you know, but about Wednesday, everybody had some conflicts, and, and our sons had to get back for, for various things. So at 3 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, with uh, two and a half days left on the vacation, my wife and I found ourselves alone in a house on the beach, and it was very lonely and sad to think about our kids leaving. As a matter of fact, there's a picture of Sherry and I that I have. I'll show you here how upset we were at 3 o'clock on Wednesday after everyone had left. Uh, that's the look of we've got the house to ourselves and everybody's gone. But anyway, so uh, no, it was a great time with family, and, uh, and Sherry and I had a great time as well, and I thank you for your prayers. It was a great time, uh, like a nice sabbatical, and, and and got really focused. matter of fact, my notes that are right here before me were were, were jotting it down and, and prayed over this, sitting there looking at uh, the raging Gulf of Mexico and God's power out there while you're putting this together. It was actually quite beautiful. So let's pray and let's jump in. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for everybody who's joined us here in the room. Thank you for that wonderful time uh, in reflection uh, and focusing on, on time with uh, our sons who are still at home, but in the last one heading out to college, but also time together as, as husband and wife, uh, time together just with you and, and, and as Sherry and I are, are seeking, uh, what do you want from us in this next stage of life? And thank you for some of the clarity that we were given and, and some of the plans that you are, are laying out before us, uh, which includes still the ongoing discipleship of all of us who meet here every Wednesday uh, to jump into your word and to, and to read uh, and learn from, from other men and other authors who have unpacked important parts of the Bible like uh, one that can be quite controversial, and that is holiness, as we are studying it now. Uh, I lay this, Lord, at your feet today. I pray, Lord, that, uh, that I be crucified, but that you speak today what we all need to hear. Uh, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So we're, we're talking about if you're, if you're just joining us for the first time today, um, we, we're in the pursuit of holiness. And if you are new today, we welcome you. Glad you're here. You can catch up on these things pretty quick. Uh, if, if there's a couple ways you can go back through any of, of, of the series is that we've covered over the last four years by going to Burgess If you go there and click on media, you can really go back and see all the different studies that we've done over the years and certainly pick up any you've missed in this study. Uh, If it's relatively new, like this study or maybe the last two or three studies, you can find those on the Rick and Bubba podcast channel. You can also find those on the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel, uh, which we are live right now on the YouTube channel, and we do that every Wednesday. So as we get ready to jump into Chapter 8, you know, you, you, we talk about this a, a lot in here and have some fun with it. Uh, we talk about, basically, I feel like that Jerry Bridges, who who, who wrote this book on on, uh, on the pursuit of holiness, and we don't need to forget to, that title, is certainly something we're call, called to, but it's also a very high standard, and Jerry Bridges makes no bones about that uh, in the study. But but just because something seems to be difficult or something takes time or something requires a lot of action, it doesn't mean it's something that we shouldn't care about, and then we just kind of give up and say, well, that's standard too high, because what do we find out the standard that we've been called to, it's not too high for God to accomplish. And, you know, from time to time, uh, we, we will go through this and, and we'll talk about some of the references he makes to other authors. But this is from the book on holiness. Uh, and I was looking at this, uh, you know, from, from J.C. Riles. And, and I know I knew that was going to get that was going to get some reaction uh, from those of you that have tried. Now, if you if you try to read J.C. Ryle's book on holiness, uh, I, I do wish you well with that, and uh, <laughs> it, it, and and it, it is very very good. And a lot of its reference here with with Jerry. Jerry's almost like my interpreter for J.C. Ryle a lot of times. But listen to this. I, I love when he says this. When J.C. says, "A lazy man or woman is it has it really come to this that you will miss heaven for lack of trouble?" Are you really determined to make shipwreck forever from mere dislike or exertion? Away with the cowardly, unworthy thought. Arise and play the man. Say to yourself, whatever it may cost, I will at any rate strive to enter in at the straight gate. And remember, he's talking about Jesus said that straight gate was narrow, and he said it was what? It was hard. I don't know why we're afraid to say this. I say this with men's ministry all the time. If you really want to start a good men's ministry and you want the men of your church to get inspired, step up and say, I'm going to shoot you straight. Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is a warrior, and very few of you are man enough to really follow him. Now, if we would just present it that way, you probably would get men, men's attention. But what we've done for too many times is tell everybody it's easy, anybody can do it, and there's really no standard. Well, that that really inspires men to get up and really go, doesn't it? So so Ryle is is shooting us straight. He says, look at the cross of Christ and take fresh courage, look forward to death, judgment, and eternity, and be in earnest. It may cost much to be a Christian, but you better be sure it pays. It may cost much to be a Christian, but it pays. But I love, like, Jesus. You do realize Jesus was telling everybody who said they were going to follow him, do you understand what you're, what you're getting into? Now, baby, it pays, but it is hard. And what we've done is taken you know, the, the grace side of things and we've flipped it around to where really there's no standard of any kind and we're treating God's grace as if it has no power. Now, you're not seeing anything in this study that calls about legalism, uh, some code of conduct. But what we are talking about is obedience. We are talking about sanctification. And we are talking about holiness, which the Bible talks about all (coughs) of the time. And so, but then we get into this book, which is the dance. What part of it is fully done by God And what is the responsibility that I have? So Romans 8, 13 will be part of the pursuit of holiness, um, uh, uh, part 8. And here's what it says. And the title of this chapter is Obedience, Not Victory. That's important. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now think about this. So Jerry goes on to say, though it is the Spirit who enables us to put to death our corruptions, Paul says this is our action as well. And that's the part that's often left out. That's what this whole study has been about. And we've talked about this even beyond this study. But this study really lands here. The very same work is from one point of view the work of the Spirit and from another the work of man. Now, I know for some of y'all right now, there's a tendency in your theology to push back a little bit. But hang on. Hang on. We're not doing. This is a Bible study that features the Bible. Remember, we've always said, be leery of any Bible study that does not feature the Bible. So we emphasized in the other, other chapters by the Spirit. And that's the power. That's all God. That's all the Holy Spirit. But this chapter, we're going to focus a little bit on our responsibility. So let's first of all say, well, where did you get to the point, Jerry? Or where did you get to the point, Rick, who's facilitating this study? Where do you get about our responsibility? Well, I get it from Romans chapter 8. And also get it other places we'll talk about during this chapter. So what, because he says what? He says, you put to death, death, the deeds of the body. Who's he talking to? Me. He's talking to you. You put to death. Now, now, some of you say, Rick, what does that look like? And, I, and we've, we've talked about those a couple examples, but I'll repeat them again. So we know that the Bible says, for instance, if I claim to be justified and redeemed by Christ, it, it, it means I've been freed from the reign of sin, which we've talked about a lot. But it doesn't mean I've been freed from the touch of sin. So that's why I have to be under the authority of Christ and become sanctified and strengthened. Now, he provides all the ability to accomplish it. But again, what do we say? Our obedience is our will. Our dependence in faith is on his ability to do it. So, but for instance, Jesus Christ, does Jesus walk in to a room and get you up out of a chair to walk out of the room where you've got porn on the computer? Does Jesus come and do that? No, he gives you the power, but you've got to get up and go. He says, flee sexual immorality. Well, aren't you just going to take sexual immorality from me? I'll give you the power not to be sexually immoral, but you've got to leave. That, that's a very simple example, but, but I, I hope that's exactly what we're talking about. So, so he goes on to say this. The passage is clear that God puts the responsibility for a holy life also squarely on us. It doesn't just happen. There has to be action. We are to do something. And here are some phrases that Jerry says we should remove from our walk with Jesus. And some of these are pretty popular. And I'm sure Jerry wasn't very popular when he said it. He said, we got to be done with this this phrase of, hey, you got to stop trying and you got to start trusting. So, well, look, I don't know about you. I remember working hard, hard labor growing up. And if somebody were to walk out to me and say, you see this big hill I told you to weed eat? Well, just stop trying and just trust that it's going to get done. <laughs> That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, so what, see, that was one of the, uh, th- 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 these are these phrases we use to really just say, this seems too hard, so give me something to let me off the hook. And we certainly trust in God. We trust in his power. We're hopeless. There's nothing we could do to redeem ourselves. There's nothing we could do to justify ourselves. But we are participating in the sanctification, even though the power is still fully God's. Everybody still with me? So he says, we are to put to death the misdeeds of the body. We are, over and over again in the epistles, not just Paul, we are commanded to assume a responsibility for a holy walk. I'm going to say that again. Write it down, because this, some of this flies in the face of some of the theology you may have been taught. But, but he says we are, throughout the epistles, not just Paul, but others, and we'll see some of those, we are to assume a responsibility for a holy walk. Colossians 3, 5. Listen, listen to Paul's exhortation. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. This is something we are told to do. And again, if you want that verse again, that's Colossians 3, 5. Paul says to who? The people of that church, he says what? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So he's acknowledging, I do have an earthly nature. Remember we said about Galatians 5. Paul says, a battle has begun because now your spirit has been justified. It was dead. It's better to say that that I once was dead and through Christ I am now alive. Nothing wrong. My meme all loved. I was saved. Nothing wrong with saying saved. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But really, we, 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 we hey, I'm lost. I'm found. Nothing wrong with those things. But really, Scripture says, no, you were dead because if that spirit wasn't made alive, you're going to die eternally. It's dead. Now, the flesh, once the spirit is made alive again through the justification found solely through faith, by grace, from Jesus, paid on the cross, However, when that spirit now is made alive by the Holy Spirit entering it, now a war begins because the flesh says, I've got an opponent now. And C.S. Lewis says that's when the flesh will begin to fight for its life because now a war has, has, has finally started that what didn't even exist. Lost people should act like lost people. We should never... Be, be shocked at the behavior of a lost person who's never claimed to have been justified. Their spirit's dead. There's no conviction. I, I was this guy. I know what it felt like. And when, when I was first justified, that all of a sudden everything I was doing wrong changed like that? No, it didn't. But you know what happened? I now had conviction. I knew something was wrong when I got, now did that mean that I immediately had the power to stop doing it? No, it took time for me to what? Have spiritual training and then begin begin to what? Feed the spirit fuel. So when I, whichever one of those is still to this day, standing before you as a follower of Christ now for 23 years, if I feed the spirit, I seem to do better than when I feed the flesh. When I go flesh, it is always wrong. That's the reason why our first reaction to something is, hold, hold up just a minute. Stop and say a prayer. You know, I, it was funny. I, it, we, we had a situation It was funny talking to my wife and we, we had something was going on. And, and we were, it was kind of building up a little bit. And she, we were trying to talk about, well, let's don't do this. Or what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I looked there her and I said, well, now, you know, I can. Do you need me to become the person? And she goes, please don't be that guy. <laughs> we don't need him right now let's keep talking the way we're talking. Don't do that thing where you get up and say, by golly, here's what's going to happen. You're going to do this and you're going to do that. If you don't do that, there's a time for that for some time. She said, but let's handle this right now in a different way. And and so, and and, and it was right. So the writer of Hebrews, and we don't know who that is. um, um, uh, You know, we, we have theories on that, but listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off Everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangling us, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Hebrews 12.1. Write that down in Hebrews 12.1. So listen to this writer. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, us, action, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles us. So that means I've got to do things like, hey, people I used to hang around. I keep getting entangled in sin every time I'm around y'all. Y'all, y'all are not, y'all not helping me. You're not a good bunch of people to influence me. Certainly, I'll be able to talk to you about what happened in my life. But if you're going to continue to reject the justification or you're going to reject being a follower of Jesus, I have to make a decision that I can't be inside your circle of influence anymore i got to throw that off. Raise your hand if you've ever had to do that. Yeah, me too. And 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 you'd like to be able to keep the friends you had if they can come along with you. But if they're not going to help you, then, then I don't be, want to be around that person. Because why? That's action. Now, did Jesus just come grab me from that circle and remove me? No. He gave me what? The Spirit saying... When you failed yesterday and said some things you shouldn't have said, got involved in a coarse joke, or maybe you drank more than you should have drank and I thought weren't drinking anymore, if those people keep winning, then you either got to grow spiritually or you got to leave that group. Because what do you say? I tell my kids, Brooks. I've told you this. Uh, you know, when you're sitting there trying to help somebody up, and you're and you're up here, and they're hanging off a cliff, it's much easier for them to pull you off the cliff than just to pull them up where you are. Now, I'm not saying don't try, but if you keep being pulled off the cliff, you got to stop. Something you got to come back and try again, or you just got to say, I can't be around this person, or I can't be in this situation. You know, sometimes you, you, you get this, uh, you know, when the people who present the hippie version of Jesus is, is that sometimes you get this, this, this false vision that he just went and hung out while people were committing sin and was just joining the party. No, he met them, certainly, but he would meet them, not justifying what was going on, and, or, or he would pull them out from where they are, but he would, he would be in public with them and he would talk to them, but he didn't go off and party with them to show that he could be relatable. That's not true at all. He's holy. You know, the the, the great thing about God is God can't change his character. That's why we got to be redeemed through Jesus. You know, like we've said many times, if I walk in the presence of a holy God without Jesus, he'll kill me. He can't help it because he can't be in the presence of sin. You saw this even in the Old Testament. There were, there were certain things that had to happen. You could not You could only go so far with being in the presence of Almighty God. Why? Because he's holy. And he says, because he's holy, remember Peter, 1 Peter, he's holy. We should be holy in all of our conduct. Not some of it, all of it. I used to interpret that as some of it. I guess I had a new Greek word nobody knew about. <laughs> so, so the writer of Hebrews, remember, says, let us throw off the sin. Let us run with perseverance. You know what? Somebody asked me about what this men's ministry thing that we've been doing for the last four years. They said, well, kind of explain it to me. And I was meeting with a guy yesterday. And I said, well, here's the way I see it. Just as I can work out physically, I can work out spiritually. And what happens when you work out physically? That's why the writer of Hebrews is talking about this. Anybody who runs knows this or anybody who does any kind of working out. You don't run as far the first time as you do the 100th time you don't go in and work out and do as well the first time as you do maybe four years from then if you, if you stay with it. So physically, we get stronger. Physically, we have more, more perseverance. Well, wouldn't that be the same thing with spiritually? So what I said, this, this cycle of discipleship that, that God has shown us, we are working out spiritually, and we continue to work out and work out and work out, and we grow and we get stronger. And, but we had to decide to come here. You had to decide to say, I will look at these scriptures today and I will, I will get in prayer over them. You had to decide that you would be disciple. I can't make you come here. I mean, I could, but it would probably, some of you would probably get tired of that. But, but I mean, some of you I could, some of you I couldn't. But, but if you, if, but no, I can't make you come here, right? And we've said that about the men's ministry. We certainly are always reaching out to you. And anyone is welcome who's willing to come, no matter what state you're in. But we can't make you come. And so, so the fact that you are you're here, you have decided that you will run the race. You've decided you want to just grow spiritually. But nothing about your decision makes you stronger. Who makes you stronger? The Holy Spirit. Who who speaks to you and inspires the Holy Spirit? The Word of God. That's what's actually doing it, but your part in it was you will participate. I will run. I will keep running. I will get to where I can run farther spiritually. I will get to where I'm stronger spiritually. And like I found out in my own life, am I done with the struggles of sin? Sadly, no, not, not, not yet. But am I done with the struggle of some sins? Yes. Yes. There are things that I used to do all the time that I don't do anymore. Why? Because I decided that I wanted to be done with it, so I had to learn to love Jesus more than I love that sin. You know why I'm devoted to my wife? I would love to tell you it's because I'm so dependable and so, so devout to my wife and that I would not do anything ever wrong to Sherry. But that's really not true. I certainly love her as best I can as a human being, and I know that I want to do the right thing, but the reason why that I treat my wife the way I'm supposed to treat her is because of my devotion to Jesus. He said, these are the things you do and these are things you don't do to your wife. Because I can find some flaw in her to justify some moment of weakness, but I can't find any flaw in him. I I can't go back to him and say, well, you don't understand. He said, no, I called you to say this is how you treat a wife. This is how you don't. And if you love me, you'll do what I say. John 14, 15. If you love me, then you obey my commandments. Not to earn salvation, but what? As the proof of salvation. I never obeyed Jesus when I had an intellectual belief in him because I didn't know him. I didn't know him. I believed in him intellectually, but I wasn't connected to him spiritually. So there was no power for anything to be done. And I certainly didn't have a desire to do anything about it. Don't want to spend a lot of time on this one because we've covered it already. But he talks about James 4, uh, 7 and 8. Submit yourself then to the Lord. Action. Resist the devil. Action. Come near to, to God and he'll come near to you. Action, action, action. Now, the result of the action is all him. But keep in mind, when James, in case y'all missed this, I'll I'll review it again. James is not talking, don't miss this. I I know that there probably were people in the congregation that were lost and just didn't acknowledge they were lost. But James is not standing out at some revival, like Acts chapter 2, with all these lost people out here. And he's saying, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, come near to God, he'll come near to you. He's talking to his church. This is a pastor. By the way, can you imagine being the first pastor of the first Messianic church in Jerusalem? Could just anybody do that? We had to go get a horse, and we did. All right, so, you know, i tell you, I love, I love in the book, book of Acts, everybody's arguing, and they sin for James. And it says that when James showed up at the Jerusalem council, nobody opposed him. And he said, Here's what we're going to do about the Gentiles, here's what we're going to do about the Jews. We're all one body, and I love this. And nobody opposed him which means they were opposing Paul, which means they were opposing Peter, but they didn't oppose James. So he was a great leader. So he's saying to the church, I see too much sin in the church body and that shouldn't be. And what is he saying? So we got to get back to the basics. Let me tell you what we got to do to get right with God again. Now this is the church. This isn't lost people. I know there were lost people in the church, but you know what I mean. They, they weren't, they, they didn't think they were lost. And he says, so we need to submit ourselves then to God. We need to resist the devil that's causing issues in this church body. And we need to come near to God so he'll come back near to us. We got to get right with God. Action, action, action. So then Peter says, in 2 Peter 3, uh, 14, jot that down. Listen to this. Guys, I'm going to tell you the thing. I'm just going to confess this to you. Sometimes I feel so embarrassed that the scriptures were so straightforward and I spent so many years looking right at words and not realizing what they were saying now, I realized that's because I didn't have the glasses of the Holy Spirit however I would realized that as, as a lost man my attitude about the Bible was just it was an excuse it was just a total excuse oh, it was very complicated as if I was trying to read it in the original Greek and Hebrew <laughs> Hey, the Lord made sure that could be interpreted into your language, and listen to this perfect example: Second Peter three fourteen. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Talking about Jesus, talking about God, and I capitalize in my notes, and I hope you will too. Make every effort. Make every effort. You know, uh, you know why a lot of some of you that are watching this right now, because I've been this person, you know why you haven't seen any change in your life? Because you're not making any effort. And, and, and what it is, the reason why a lot of us aren't making any effort is because you honestly don't deem this of any value in your life. Because I bet I could go into your life and find a lot of places, the things you really love and the things you really deem valuable, that you make all sorts of effort to be sure you got that right. I look, Everything I say is as convicting to me as it is to you because I've I've done everything the wrong way. Make every effort. I do make an effort to be sure that I knew how to do this behind us here to the point that I could make a living at it. It didn't just happen. You know what I mean? Now, did it mean that God had given me some God-given ability to do it? Yeah. But what had to happen to make that work? Effort to refine what he had already done to get it to the point that it would be something that would be a viable thing. You know, he, he couldn't trust me. I remember the first time I went and talked to the first pastor that ever ever started discipling me. And I was like, I, I don't really know what to do. with what. I, so now I'm a follower of Jesus. What, what, what now? What does that mean with a secular radio show that wasn't exactly a God-honoring show? And you know, he said, well, then you got to start figuring out how God wants to use this. So what if I just said, Well, I guess God'll handle it? And I just took the Bible and I just said, Well, there it is. I'm gonna stand next to it, see what'll happen with it. Man, I it just had not changed me yet. I can't seem to get it to work. And, you know, just maybe maybe eventually, just by osmosis, it somehow it'll no, I had to I had to start doing what? Making effort to learn the Bible. Making effort to learn how to pray. Making effort to understand what is a follower of Christ called to do in fill-in-the-blank situation? What does it look like to be a husband? What does it look like to be an, a, a you know, parent, mother, and father honoring son? What does it look like to be part of the church of Jesus Christ? What, what's my role in all this? And you talk about me knowing that something had happened. I knew my intellectual, cultural Christianity was dead. When I went from being who I used to be to standing on a Monday night at a little Baptist church in Calhoun County, holding hands with older men, going out for visitation, I said, Lord, what in the world has happened? You must be real. Am I really going on Monday night visitation I heard my grandmother talk about? I couldn't believe it. And you know what? I wanted to go. Why? Why? It wasn't legalism. It wasn't a, a code of conduct. The spirit was starting to change in me what I thought was important and what I desired to do. Remember, the Lord Jesus Christ, as you hear some bad theology, never went to the cross and never walked out of the tomb so he could give you and me our desires. He went to the cross and walked out of the tomb so he could change our desires. Don't miss that. You've got a lot of bad theology out there that says that somehow Jesus did all this so he could be your genie and you rub on his little bottle, the bottle and he'll give you whatever you want if you do it right. If you have enough faith and you pray the right way, you know, as, as if we're playing some game now. You know, like I'm in there pulling, you know, the one-armed bandit of Jesus to see what I can get. Now, what he's saying is, I've done this so you now will have access to the power that'll change the way you see everything. And he can absolutely do it. So when, the, when, when Peter says that, that, that make every effort, this, this addresses our wills as something that we must do. Now, this is something I thought was very transparent from Jerry Bridges, if you have this, on page 78 of his book. And, and I think this is going to impact some people watching this, listening to this, and maybe even in this room. Listen to what Jerry said. See, don't ever be afraid to do this. There, sometimes, look, throughout the process of sanctification and, and, our, and our maturation from, from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity, there's going to be moments, and you've got you to drop your pride, Rick. You've got to drop your arrogance, okay? You've got to drop the fear of being embarrassed. Sometimes you're going to have to realize that when you started out at, at a spiritual maturation of a one, and you get somewhere around 35, that you got to go back and say around four, I was wrong. I didn't have that right. Theologically, I didn't know what I was talking about. Guys, don't, don't feel bad. Apollos had the same situation in the book of Acts. Apollos is out there, he's getting after it. He's, he's excited about this new church. And finally, Priscilla and Aquila had to say, hey, come here. Hey, man, we love you. That's not in the, that's in the original Greek, that's what they said. And you're great, but your theology's wrong. You're not presenting what Christ did correctly. And he got with them, and he was humble enough to say, well, tell me the right things to say. And he learned what he should have been preaching. And he wasn't way off, but he was a little off. And they corrected it. And then Apollos went on to be impactful for the kingdom. He had everything, and he certainly had a, a childlike understanding, and he was at, he, he, he certainly was justified, but he had not matured enough in this new Covenant to really know what he was talking about, but they corrected it and he continues. So don't be afraid to correct. Jerry says he had to correct himself on this topic. He said, during a certain period in my Christian life, I thought that any effort on my part to live a holy life was of the flesh and that the flesh profits for nothing. I thought God would not bless any effort on my part to live the Christian life, just as he would not bless any effort on my part to become a Christian by good works. Just as I received Jesus Christ by faith, so I was to seek a holy life only by faith. Any effort on my part was just getting in God's way. Have you ever heard this before? I misapplied the statement, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you from Second 2 Chronicles 2017. If you want to jot that down. Second 2 Chronicles 2017. I took that to mean that I was just to turn it all over to the Lord and he would fight the sin in my life. In fact, in the margin of the Bible I was using during that period, I wrote alongside these words, illustration of walking in the Spirit. And listen to this next statement. This is humility. How foolish I was. I misconstrued dependence on the Holy Spirit to mean I was to make no effort and that I had no responsibility. I mistakenly thought If I turned it all over to the Lord, he would make my choices for me, and he would choose obedience over disobedience. All I needed was to look to him for holiness, but this is not God's way. He makes provision for our holiness, absolutely does, but he gives us the responsibility of using those provisions. The Holy Spirit has has been given to all Christians. To all Christians. You know, he said, I was wrong. My theology was wrong. I started finding scripture that wouldn't line up with that theology, and I had to realize I didn't have this right. And that's all right. I can tell you there's been many things in my life that, that I've that I've had to come back and go, I didn't really have that right. And God has now revealed that to me. So don't be afraid for that. Look we'll look at I'll tell you one thing about Jerry too. He loves Martin Lord Jones. Uh, he really, and I, I mean, Martin's a hoss, but I mean, Jerry will go to Martin in a second. And he says this He said, The Holy Spirit, this is from Martin L- Lloyd Jones, the Holy Spirit is in us. He is working in us and empowering us, giving us the ability. This is the New Testament teaching work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, that's always been a tough verse to get by, too, if you don't believe there's any action or. or see, and then what we said this, let me tell you why. Man, ev- evangelism is understood. There's no getting around evangelism. Go and make disciples, okay? And go go do this. Go do this, uh, you know, in your in your city, in your county, in your state, in your country, and to the ends of the earth. Go out and go out and tell people what Jesus did. No question. However, we have a lot of times made the mistake of treating evangelism and justification as the end, not the beginning. This is the beginning of your new life. It's not the end. It's just starting. Now certainly justification is crucial because it's like you're trying to start a fire, but you don't have any you don't have any spark, you don't have any kindling. The justification is the spark, sanctification is the fire. And, and, and I think what we've done too many times is said, okay, got this one saved, let's keep moving. Mm-hmm. Well, but but Jesus said, make disciples. Now, see, I'm 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 changing my whole attitude. Mm-hmm. Certainly, let me say it again, don't anybody go home and tell Scott Dawson that I said that evangelism is not important. It 100% is important, and it is a call on every life. I once was this way, Jesus came in, he changed me, I'm now this way. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ did for us, what God did through Jesus, and it's good news. However, if you don't concentrate on discipling people, then if you really want evangelism to work, then keep sending out lots of people that know how to take somebody through the plan of salvation. Go out and have people that are, are mature in the faith that know how to continue to move it. I would much rather, I, can, I, have, I would have a bigger impact if I can get this room to go out and evangelize as individuals or as groups than if I never did this and went and spoke to a bunch of churches and kept having a time of decision after and that's all I did. Now, I certainly do that. I did that Sunday. But if that's all I do, it's not as effective than this right here because now you can send out an army of people who are ready to go out and be used by Jesus to change lives like their lives have been changed. They have to know how to correctly unpack the Word of God and correctly present what God has done and offered to all who are willing. So, so that, that's what Martin Lord, uh, Lloyd is talking about. He says we have to do so, but... To, he said, but but note the accompaniment because it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. The Holy Spirit is working in us both to will and to do. It is because I'm not left to myself. It is because I'm not absolutely hopeless. Since the Spirit is in me, that's talking about the justified, that I am exhorted to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. We must rely on the Spirit in putting to death the deeds of the body, as he observed. And and he said, now, this is is different from, from any kind of moral code or legalism or even some kind of attempt at some kind of false, you know, like you're going back to the Puritans again. That's not what he's talking about. He said, our reliance on the Spirit is not intended to foster an attitude of, I can't do it but one of I can do it through him who strengthens me. Remember we talked about that one of the most abused verses in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is not a verse of accomplishment, that you can accomplish anything. What it's saying is I can endure anything, certainly, but it also says I really can be sanctified. I really can become holy with my effort alongside the strength that Christ has given me to what? To become what he says I should be in him. I mean, but it does require effort on our part. And, and I like this when he says, we got to stop using the term victory and defeat. Well, I, I had victory over my sin this week, or I got defeated by, by my sin this week. He says, we've got to do something that might change your whole attitude toward when we fail. He said, we're not defeated by sin. We were just disobedient. And see, that, that's that again. We're trying to dumb down what's really happened. Well, I got defeated. It was just too big an opponent. No. No, you weren't defeated by sin. You're just disobedient. You just didn't obey Christ. I just didn't obey Christ. And, and you know, you know my dad tried to t- teach me this growing up, and I realize now from my heavenly father, my heavenly father also isn't big on excuses. <laughs> you know what Jesus forgives. Repentance, not, not excuses. Jesus didn't die on the cross for excuses. Corey Timbone said that. He he died on the cross for the repentant, not, not excuses. And so we gotta stop saying things like, doggone it, just I just didn't, I just it's just too much for me today. I just couldn't couldn't do it. No, then then you're saying what? Remember we've been saying this for four years. When we say those kind of statements, we're acting like that Jesus didn't have any power. Hey, if we're not being changed and you're not seeing obedience arising up in your life, it isn't the lack of Christ's ability to do it. I, I have news for you on that. I mean, y'all do realize this is Jesus is is God incarnate. You realize the Son was there from the beginning. The sun was there for creation. You do realize the sun walked up out of the bottom of a boat just as his father had had done in the Old Testament through the Psalms. And he told the weather what to do. I was watching the Gulf of Mexico churn, churn, churn. We had double red flag days. I'd never i had never been down there in a long time where they wouldn't let anybody in the water. The water was so rough and it was churning. It's such a, a mighty force. They would literally come down to the beach and use the megaphones to say, get out of the water. You can't, you can't take this. this. This will take your children off. It'll take you off. You can't mess with this. And you know what, Sherry and I, we both were praying and thought at the same time. I said, you know what I was just sitting here praying about? She goes, let me guess. God told the water where, where to stop. I said, is that what you were thinking? She said, that's absolutely what I was thinking. Jesus could walk out on that beach and say, that's it. Stop this foolishness. And it would have laid down like a pond, like the pond down at the farm. And he don't have the ability to change you? I mean, you just just can't do it. No, you've chosen for him not to change you. You, you, You've just been disobedient. Let's stop victory and defeat to describe our progress and holiness. Rather, let's use the terms. Like if you come up to me and you say, hey, Birch, I love you, man. Uh, On the show today, you said something off color that was not Christ-honoring. And I promise you right now, we'll make a commitment. You know what I'll say to you? I was just disobedient. Not, yeah, I got kind of carried away, let it get away from me. I said, you know, you know how men are. It's just, that's just too big an opponent. And we just can never stop being coarse and, you know, lewd about things. No, you're just disobedient. You choose to be lewd. You choose to be coarse because you still haven't been sold that not being coarse and lewd is better than being holy. You think it still is. You don't think holiness is better than being crude. You don't. You think somehow something's going to be missing in your life as a man if you don't still sit around and tell coarse jokes and be lewd about things. You don't think that not doing that is better. So you just choose to be disobedient. And if we'll get that attitude about it, as my dad used to tell me, please don't make an excuse, just tell me you messed up. My dad, I, I can just hear that so vividly. Hey, don't give me an excuse. Just say you messed up. And you find that with men a lot. There's a generation of excuse makers. And I told y'all that I had once asked a man to to do something uh, even along with what we're doing. And the person had been given a clear assignment to go and do something for the advancement of the gospel was supposed to be somewhere, supposed to do a gospel presentation after something we put together. And I'll be real general about that. I get the call they're not there. So I called the person. I said, hey, and here come the excuses. I said, hey, man, let's just stop. Unless somebody's dead, anybody dead? No. Are you in some car wreck? No. So you just didn't do it. Well, you know, I got behind. I said, hey, stop. I said, what's so hard with you just saying? I told you I would do something and I didn't do it. What's so hard about it? Can you not just say that? You just say, hey, I messed it up. I didn't do what I told you I'd do. We can move on from that, but I can't move on from this mealy-mouthing about it. You did not do what you told me you were going to do. He said, I just didn't do what I said I'd do. That's fine. Now, you won't be given that responsibility anytime soon. Maybe one day we'll give it to you again. Same thing with Christ. Hey, Jesus, I just disobeyed you. Please forgive me. I just didn't do it. And, and, and that's the way we got to treat this if we want to move forward when I say that I'm defeated by some sin I unconsciously am slipping out from under my responsibility it's kind of somebody else's fault it's re- will we say this the dev- remember that they were popular 70s the devil made me do it no no but James has already covered that we're back to James again James said most of the time when we're disobedient it's just our own evil enticement the devil's not omniscient the devil's not omnipresent the devil didn't make you do it you did it Look, I'm saying the devil ain't got, he probably not spend a lot of time on me. You know why he didn't have to? I got a bigger enemy, me. Start putting that in your prayer. I have started adding that to my prayer. Protect me today, Lord, from my biggest enemy, myself. You've defeated the devil. He's he's done. Now, if I leave your authority, he can still reach out and touch me as I see you allow him to touch even Job. However, that's got to go through you. Most of the problems I'm dealing with, Lord, is myself. I am my biggest problem. I'm my biggest obstacle to be sanctified. And so let's just say that when we we do these things, that that it's not something else that defeated us, something outside of ourself. Hey, I'm disobedient. And when we say that, and this is why it's hard for us. It's hard for me. You know why it's hard for us? When we say we're disobedient, we place the responsibility solely on ourselves. It's my fault. How many of y'all have noticed out there in the world, whatever happened to somebody saying, I blew it? Do you realize, when's the last time that you really have seen somebody at work or whatever you're having to do that say, that's on me? Everybody's always got an excuse. Or are they, are they try to minimize what happened. That's not that big a deal. I mean, we talk about that even here sometimes. Hey, can I have somebody with a breath of fresh air just say, I didn't do it. Hey, this is, no, no other workplace ever has to say this. Why isn't Big Boy sitting out there at the window when the people start arriving for the day? Why is Big Boy not there? I didn't put him out there. It's my responsibility, and I just didn't do it. Not, hey, the door's messed up, and oh, I had this, or we got sidetracked over here. Or, this. I know no other workplace has to say that. When I get here every day, I want Big Boy right there. And, and, and that's where I want him. And, and, that, and that's what I don't want. I don't want one listener to show up here and not see big boy. So so if you didn't put him out there and it's your responsibility to put him out there, you just didn't get it done. And then we can move on from that. But see, when we don't do that, then we're trying to push that responsibility somewhere else. We may be defeated. That truly may be true. That part, I'm not minimizing that. And Jerry says, that's true. But we chose to disobey. It's certainly defeat. But we're the ones who did it. We need to reckon with the fact that we died to the reign of sin. Remember us talking about that? We died to the, write it down. I am dead in Christ to the reign of sin. We're responsible for our thoughts. We're responsible for our attitudes. We're responsible for our actions. Remember, don't miss that. When before we were justified, and look, some of y'all may be lost. And, you, and, you, and, I, and maybe through this process, you're coming to the conclusion, hey, I'm just lost. Because none of this is happening in my life. Well, that means you're lost. Because it's, it, you, you, if you try to access the power and it's not there, then it's not there. You know, I, I was so convicted about our study on the fruits of the Spirit because of what it says the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, it, it's in the title. It means what? If you don't have these fruits, you don't have the Spirit. This is what flows from the Holy Spirit. And so if that's not happening at all in your life, I just don't think, you know, like the guy who had to tell me. What, what, I'm paraphrasing, but what he basically said to me now that I understand the Bible better than that day is I had been an intellectual, cultural Christian for all these years, and he looked at me and he said, so you want me to believe that our Lord and Savior who tells the water what to do is raining over this garbage? Well, he ain't much of a king, is he? I mean, this is all he can accomplish? I mean, you can't argue with that. I mean, you you can't argue with that. So we have to realize, though, when we were justified, again, we've been freed. We can still be touched by sin. That's where our action has to be and our behavior and our sanctification. But we are no longer a slave to sin. It does not own us. We've been freed from sin. You've heard me say this a lot. We haven't been freed to sin. Romans chapter 6. You can just land in there and just really gobble that up. So when we decide to be disobedient, it's because we're not in charge. Think, we think we're not responsible for our thoughts or attitudes or actions when now we are. God has united us with the reign of Christ and all his power, and he's given us the Holy Spirit to work in us only as we accept our responsibility. And then we appropriate God's provisions Will we make any progress in the pursuit of holiness. Do y'all follow that? And again, now, what I'm saying may be easy to understand, but it's not easy to to, to implement. It's really not. Because you know why? Back to C.S. Lewis. The flesh is not dead yet. And look, I know sometimes you just get tired. You, you know, you just get tired. You know, I can remember when I knew, and you can apply this to any part of your life, I, when I knew that it was over for me in football is when I just didn't have to fight him anymore. I knew what it required to play this game, and I could not give what was required. Well, when you get to the place where you realize that you have been given what is required to be holy, you just got to go get it. You just got to access it. And, and, and remember, that I promise you this, and I think it's one of the most difficult things for all of us. And we've all been there when you're trying to talk to somebody and you can tell what's going on with them, especially men. We talk about this at lunch a lot it's impossible to show them what they haven't experienced. Doesn't that get frustrating? And, and you're trying to get them to tell you, so one so of the things that hopefully we can do is that we can be an example of God's incredible grace, the incredible power of grace. I tell people all the time, if, if, if you would just look at somebody like me who can confidently tell you that if Jesus Christ right now called his church home, I'm gone. If I die, if I have a heart attack walking out of this room, celebrate, because I will be stepping into the presence of the Lord. And if that's the case for me, well, he can save anybody. He can save anybody. There's no debt too big for Jesus. And you know what he says about those like me? And you may be one of them. Jesus even said it. I love how Jesus just called things. He said, those that I paid the biggest debt for, they appreciate me more. They appreciate me the most. Let me think about it. If you owed $150 and I paid it off, you'd appreciate that. If you owed $150,000 and I paid it off, you'd probably appreciate me more. (laughs) Right? Well, I hope we'll take this and apply it and, and I hope that, that you're getting as much out of this as I am. And let's enter into a time of prayer before we break up and go about our way. Lord, thank you for today. <sighs> thank you for, for what you have done. None of this is to minimize what you have done. But Lord, I, I, I'm thankful that, that you've allowed us to to see throughout your word that you are telling us, though, there's something that we do need to do. Not to be saved, not to be justified, but as far as to to access the power that justification gave us, we we got to move. We got to do something. And, and Lord, I pray that you will give each and every person that's listening to this or watching this the desire to pursue you. I love when James said, "Come near to you, and you'll come near to us." It doesn't mean you got. We don't have to come the whole way. You you, you got to see effort of us moving, and then you'll you you you'll open yourself up to us and give us the power as we can handle it. And the sanctification process is is ongoing. And and as, as Paul says, we're working out now our sanctification, our salvation with fear and trembling, meaning we don't want to be disobedient to you. And we don't treat that lightly because we love you and we thank you for the grace you've shown us. Our obedience is a response. It's not earning us anything, but it's a response saying the power that you said I should have, I have. And 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 may may I may I just say to myself, as simply as it can be said, that Lord Jesus, I will never compromise you. Lord, Lord Jesus, give me the power to never embarrass you. Lord, help me to be the blessing to my family that you said I should be under your authority. Help me be the blessing to my children that I should be under your authority. Help me to be a blessing to the society that you've placed me in. If I'm a single man or a single woman that's accessing this, don't let me put put my life on hold right now and say sanctification is something I'll get back to later, but i Hey, I'm a single person. You've, you've said pretty clear. Paul made it clear that the single people can be the most effective for the kingdom because they don't have the responsibility of the rest of us. It's not a time of your life to squander. It's a time of the life to be effective. And I pray, Lord, that whatever individual situation is being addressed by you right now, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit on the things that need to be uh, corrected will be there. The power to take action and correct it will be provided. We will decide we will act. But at the same time, we also pray for something wonderful, affirmation and peace when we are living under your perfect will for our lives. Give us confirmation as well, along with conviction. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you guys.